The word of the Lord from Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's sons, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired at Haran, and they set out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for this gospel proclamation comes from the lesson of Genesis chapter 12 that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the second Sunday in Lent, Rambling Home to Him. I am a rambling man. Lord, I was born a rambling man, trying to make a living and doing the best I can. And when it's time for leaving, I hope you'll understand that I was born a rambling man. The chorus goes for that great Allman Brothers band song titled Ramblin' Man. I believe it's a song most called church workers can identify with as the Lord takes us where he will and we rarely end up near family. Especially here at Faith Lutheran Church in Eustis, Florida, with nearly everyone moving from the north to being here in the south, some so definitively their family followed them down. But I identified with this song long before, having moved six times before I left high school for the Army, and seven more moves since then. Now, don't worry, I'm pretty settled in, so don't take this as I might be rambling again. I'm most likely not. Unless I get swallowed by a great fish like Jonah, or blinded like Saul, who became Paul. After nearly 15 years here, It is the longest I've lived anywhere by double. And Marcy, my wife, and I do consider it a home for the foreseeable future. But when I was younger, I was always ready for the next stage of life and willing to go anywhere for whatever opportunity God saw fit. And I'm grateful for that. I would simply not be who I am today if it were not for all that rambling. Now, I can understand how that probably broke my parents' hearts because my boys ramble too. 
And whilst Marcy and I hope and pray for the safe return here to the roots in Eustace, we know they're rambling men too, and will likely only come home for visits from now on. It is an amazing time in a young man or young woman's life when they can ramble. They're not tied down yet with permanent jobs or family or the pressure of finding a good school for their college-age kids. They don't have the need for security and planning for retirement and insuring against the calamity that ties up precious resources. In a way, they are free like they will likely never be free again. This is why our young single men are actively recruited for the military. This is why we send our youngest single pastors to the most remote parishes. This is why missionaries to the jungles of Africa and Peace Corps volunteers are young single men and women. They are still free to explore the most remote regions of the world and learn about the incredible educational and maturing opportunities that lie outside of the protective care of hometown friends and family. And there are cases when young couples can go anywhere as well. No mortgage yet, still driving old paid-off cars, fresh out of college and ready for the world. They ramble because they can and likewise will make great followers of the aforementioned vocations. That was Marcy and me nearly 30 years ago. We could move anywhere, anytime, in a heartbeat. And we did. From college in Nebraska to Denver for work, then to seminary in St. Louis, then to Memphis, Tennessee, then to Middleburg, Florida. Almost all before we had kids, although my oldest son, Micah, had to move a couple of times too, but definitely no real roots to speak of for him. So we rambled and rambled and rambled again because God knew we could. Now, Abram, that was a rambling man. and God knew he could ramble for him too. And Abram does not initially appear to be a rambling man by nature, like we talked about before. He seemed settled in Haran until the Lord said, go. Now, I think many of us can identify with that reality as well. We are perfectly happy, and then we have to ramble. The factory closed. The layoffs came. The community declined. The parents said, sorry, dad got a great opportunity somewhere else, or we're taking over the family farm, or we're branching on our own for a new job away from the family business, and we're going to have to move out of town. And you knew it was time to move again, time to make new friends, start a new school, be ready for the next bully that always picked on the new kid, be humiliated by the insensitive teacher that was irritated by this new kid disrupting their class dynamic. Try to break in with the closed social group for the neighborhood mothers. Find the new sports leagues and after-school opportunities. Oh, the joys of moving when you don't want to. While the circumstances are different for Abram, the emotion was likely the same for himself and his wife, Sarai. So God begins with a remonstration to Abraham. Excuse me, 
Abram that is unfortunately lost in our common translation, which reads it, go. But if you look carefully at the word, it's actually three words in English. Go for yourself. Now, normally, I wouldn't care. Goes close enough. Makes sense. Pretty much how the word's traditionally used. But I think it really matters this time that we understand that Abram was not going just because God wanted him to, but also because God knew it was for himself as well as for God. And this makes sense when you read in Joshua 24, 2, what Abram's family was all about, which says, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, they served other gods. Now, some have speculated that they had as many as 4,000 known gods in that region at that time. And if you think about it, that means the entire culture, the idol-making guilds and trade that went with it, and even the language itself would have lent itself to these false gods. So God was indeed doing this move for Abram to not only save his people, but likely Abram and Sarai first. This is a powerful message about the love of God for us. He is willing to pursue us even into the mouth of the idolatry of thousands of false gods to save us himself by the simple calling of his voice through his holy word. Then he is willing to make our names great because he has placed his blessings upon us to be a blessing to everyone by giving them the very same blessing of God's grace and forgiveness from all their sin. God calls an idolater to faith, giving them a promise that God himself would fulfill for all people. God's spirit works faith when and where he pleases through the word. He's faithful to do as he has said. He made Abram into a great nation, blessing all the world through the Son as Abram's offspring by faith. We have a blessing of God's forgiveness and life without end. But that does not mean we'll be settled in and good to go in the comfort of our community with no problems to speak of. Because although God promises Abram that he will possess the land that God will give him, Abram still finds no secure place in which to dwell. At times, we find ourselves in circumstances that show the opposite of what God says. In Abram's case, he went forth, even out of the land of promise, trusting that God would fulfill his word. God returned Abram and Sarai in time to Canaan, and there they kept all that he had promised to As I read this text, I was reminded of another who was truly called in a way none of us were, but benefits us best. Just like Abram, Jesus was called eventually for himself, but unlike Abram, called from the heavens by his heavenly father to eventually be seated at the right hand of the father in eternal glory. Like Abram, Jesus left his family But unlike Abram, his family was holy, the family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like Abram, Jesus left his father's house, but 
unlike Abram, Jesus found himself back in his father's house again as a little boy teaching the learned ones in the temple in Jerusalem, telling Mary and Joseph, who lost him in the caravan, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Like Abram, Jesus had no secure place to dwell, saying himself, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Truly, during Jesus' ministry, he had no home of his own, but had to depend on the hospitality of others. And I think that is true of all Christians too. We do not have a home. Rather, we are rambling too. Right now, I would like to destroy the notion of the forever home. And if you're living in your forever home, please understand, I am not suggesting you burn it down or leave it for theological reasons. Simply asking you to think about it in a different way. Living in an old Florida cracker home with the reality of constant repairs, I'm often mystified that it has held up as well as it has over the 79 years it's been around. Some suggest they simply build them better today, and I suppose that's true in some cases. But here in Florida, with termites, hurricanes, tornadoes, and wood rot, it seems they wouldn't last long anyway. But people have obviously lived there before, and they took care of it so we can live in it today. And I wonder all the time if they called it their forever home. Obviously it wasn't because we live there now, totally unrelated to them. You see, your home, likewise, will be lived in by someone else one day. So it's not really your forever home. Oh, I know some dream of keeping their homes and their families, but I've noticed over the years that if the kids didn't want the house, the grandkids certainly didn't. That is exactly what is happening with my Grandma Everett's home in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, the incredible memories I have of playing in the snow and in the woods behind the house in the summer. The huge house with a great basement my brother and cousins used to stay in together. The crab apple trees we ate from and climbed in. The rhubarb we ripped out of the ground to make rhubarb pie. Riding our big wheels up and down the long driveway all built by the hands and sweat equity of Grandpa Max, my mother's father. If ever there was a forever home for me, that was it. Thankfully, it is still in the family because of my favorite uncle, Uncle Jim, who bought it from the family. But alas, his children, my dear cousins, don't want it and it will undoubtedly now become someone else's home. And as much as that makes me sad, it's actually good. Because it's not my forever home, nor should it be. For our real forever home is the new heavens and the new earth with the many mansions our Savior went to to prepare our place to live forever with him. While Jesus had no place to lay his head, His hands were nailed in place on that fateful day. And those feet that walked all over Israel 
or nailed down with them. To ramble for only one final time in the flesh when he rose from the dead. Rambling now at the right hand of the Father and waiting for us children to ramble home to him. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.